Well, we have begun a series moving through what's known as the Beatitudes. The Beatitudes are at the beginning of the most famous sermon ever preached. It's the most downloaded podcast, most watched YouTube sermon. Check it out, Jesus, Sermon on the Mount. And he starts Sermon on the Mount with these Beatitudes. There's eight Beatitudes. And some of you know these, where he's blessed are, blessed are, for theirs will be. And he gives us these these values that we as kingdom citizens are called to live within. So this is a really important series for me, a really personal series for me. It's where we actually get the name of our church, Citizens. I was teaching this about eight, nine years ago and realized the fact that you and I are called to live different. Come on, do you hear me? We're called, as Christians, we're called to live different. Like you, you treat your money different, you treat your relationships different, you treat your, your family different, you treat your marriage, we're just different. And, and um, it, there's, this, there's this point we've got to get to where we're tired of just trying to be the same. I'm just trying to be the same as the world, I'm just trying to be the same, just trying to fit in. Listen, I just need you to get over it, you're not going to fit in. This world is not your home. Can I get a better amen? Like, this is not your home. You're different. Oh, that was the best go. Oh, my goodness, who said that? The best. Ernie, you got some, you got some, you got somebody challenging your amens right now. Um, this is your call to live different. This world's not your home. So, so here I just need to help you out. Like, it's never going to feel comfortable here. Like, it's, it's just, you're moving through. Bible calls us pilgrims. And, and I'm talking to you, those of you in here who are believers or Christians. You're called to live different. And different is what our world needs right now. Like the world needs your different. The world needs your, I'm not going to embrace any longer the values of our culture that have led us to the place we find ourselves. You want to know why we are where we are as a nation? You want to know why we are where we are as a people? It's because we've embraced values and we've embraced a culture that is actually not a a God-honoring culture. It's not how you've been created to live. And so you're trying to live within a value system that actually doesn't give you life. It deteriorates you. And so we're living in a world that has rejected the values and the principles of God and embraced our own. We're going to do it our own way. Like a bunch of spoiled kids. We got a better way. And the Bible says that that's called rebellion. And rebellion brings forth death destruction. It, it doesn't build anything. It tears it all apart. So why are we where we are today? It's because we're, we're doing it our own way. I got a better idea. Start in the garden. God said, Adam and Eve, here's how I've created life to be lived. And it went, well, we got a better idea. And the moment that we rebelled against God, we brought into the world, the, C.S. Lewis says, we, we unleashed the dogs of pain and sickness and, and disease and, and death upon, upon our world. And so People look and try to blame God on what's happening in our world. Well, where is God? Like, listen, listen. This is not the world as God uh, created it or God intended it. This is the world as man has marred it. We did this to our planet by doing our own thing, going our own way. And so I've just been wrestling with just the, the reality of that. And I believe what God wants to do is heal our land. I believe what God wants to do is to, to, to bring revival to our, our land. And friends, that's going to happen. And it's going to happen when God's people start moving back to the value system that he's called us to live within. That we start moving back to the principles he's called us to, to live our lives within. Is that when we realize we're different and we need to bring that different to the world around us. Amen? Come on. We are kingdom citizens. And God wants to bless the world through us. So let's let him. 
And so what he does is he calls us back to these principles, and the Beatitudes start covering these principles. Jesus is inaugurating his kingdom. He's saying, here's what it looks like to live in my kingdom. Oh, I know you know what it looks like to live in the world's kingdom. Here's what it looks like to live in my kingdom. And what we noticed about these Beatitudes is that, is, is, um, well, three things that we noticed last week. One is they're completely different, upside down, inside out from everything that the world is touting right now. They're very, very different from what the world is, is living within. We also notice that every one of these Beatitudes has a blessing attached to them. In other words, that if you could live in these, you're going to be blessed. What's that mean? It means, oh, how happy is the man. It's a joy that God puts inside of, the, of an individual when they choose to embrace the, these principles. And joy is very different than happiness, friends. Happiness is based on happenstance. Happiness is based on happenings. What's happening? I got a lot of money today. I'm happy. I used it all because I don't know how to budget, and now I'm not happy. The sun's out today. Oh, it's a good day. I'm happy. Oh, isn't the sun out today? I'm, I'm so bummed out. And our world is like in this trajectory of whatever's happening around us is actually impacting us in our, in our core. Well, God says it doesn't have to be that way for, for, for those in my kingdom because the people in my kingdom are blessed. What's that mean? It means they got a joy all up inside of them that is a firm foundation in, foundation in them that no matter what's happening around them, they're just like, I'm okay. I'm okay. Why? Because I'm blessed. I've got the, the, the riches of God resting upon my life. And, and these, these, these principles, these values help you embrace that blessedness. I'm okay. Like you could throw anything at me, I'm be all right. I mean, you could even take, you could take my life. <laughs> I'm good. The Bible says, Paul, Paul says, for me to live as Christ, to die, well, that's gain. Like you can't hurt that guy. Why? Because he just, he's living within the blessed blessedness, that's a word I'm making up right now, thank you, of the kingdom. So we notice they're upside down backwards. We notice there's a blessing attached. Man, I want you to experience that blessing. And we also notice that there's these promises attached to them, like this, this more that you could be living in, this more you could experience with God. Um, you know, we just started this morning. We said, there's more. Everyone believe there's, there's more for you, there's more for you. Well, what the Beatitudes do is they help you not just tell your neighbor there's more. Hey, there's more say there's more, they help you actually move toward the more. And so that's what we're doing in this, in this series together in the, in the Beatitudes. So last week we looked together at the fact that Jesus said, hey, blessed are the poor in spirit. And you're like, wait, 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 Jesus, blessed are the, you mean, oh, how happy are those who realize that they're actually poor in spirit? You mean poor in spirit? You mean it's not the, it's not the rich in virtue or the, those who have it all together or those who have it all figured out or those? No, Jesus said, actually, blessing comes to, and this is so countercultural, Blessing comes to those who realize that they really don't have all that much to offer and that they're absolutely, utterly dependent upon God and his mercy and his grace if they're, any go if they're ever going anywhere. He says, blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of God. In other words, if you come in here broke, he says, congratulations, the kingdom belongs to you. Well, if you think that one's upside down and backwards, look at number two. Watch what Jesus says. Blessed are those who mourn for they shall be comforted. Oh, how happy are those who are sad. Like if there's any beatitude that comes to the surface as the most confusing or has the potential to be the most confusing, it's probably this one, right? Like blessed are the sad, right? For they will be comforted. But here's what I want you to see. Here's what I want you to understand, right? Understand what Jesus is wanting us to embrace. It's this word called mourning. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. In other words, 
There's a comfort available to every single one of us today. The word comfort there, it's a, it's a coming alongsideness of God. Like God will come alongside people in a very special way. God will uphold people in a very special way. God will meet with people in a very special way. There's an experience with God that you can have that is only realized through this thing called mourning. The pathway to it is through, through mourning. See, I believe there's some of you in here today carrying immense amounts of, of pain. There's places in your life where there's pain and sorrow and confusion. There's brokenness in your life that you're trying to, to cope with. And you've tried to cope with it realizing that you actually can't, that it's still broken, and it's, 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 it's still confused, and it still hurts. Like there's, there's things in your life, there's places in your life where you have yet to experience this comfort of God. And when you have not yet experienced the comfort of God and the brokenness of your life, here's what happens, is that you, friends, because you don't know the comfort of God in those places, you try to actually ignore those places. So some of you right now are trying to ignore the brokenness in your life. Um, and when you try to ignore it, you realize that, that you can't. It just keeps trying to come to the surface. And so what you do now is, is instead of just ignoring it, now you're trying to numb it. You're trying to medicate it. And, and you run to, to all these, you know, whatever you have to grab hold of to try to, try to numb this, this pain in your life, whether it be drugs and alcohol, whether it be, you know, an experience, whether it be, you know, a, a, a promise over here that never fulfills. You're, you're, you're running around rampantly trying to deal with this thing inside of you that, that, that can't really ever be dealt with until you walk through this thing called mourning and then experience this thing called the comfort of God that meets you in that moment. Amen. I'm telling you, there's some of you that need to allow God to meet you right there because he wants to. Because just let me, just let me. There can be peace, friends. There could, there could be wholeness. But he says the way to it is through this thing called mourning. Blessed are those who mourn. And that's a really hard word um, to get our minds around, right? It, it's, let me try my best. Here we go. Ready? We're going to go there. It's when we allow ourselves to face the brokenness, to see it for what it is. We allow ourselves to, to let it hit us instead of, instead of pushing it from us. It's when we, come on, it's when we just admit that there's, there's an actual issue. We, we look at it instead of looking from it. We, we no longer try to bury it and ignore it. We, we choose instead to face it and process it. And so I think, I think Nehemiah helps us out with this. Let me show you Nehemiah teaching us what it looks like to mourn. The book of Nehemiah, spoiler alert, everyone knows that, if, if you don't know, you're going to know now, that, that Nehemiah, he restores these broken walls that are in Jerusalem. These walls have been broken down, they've been burned with fire, the city has no more protection. It's a really sad day for the people of God because the city that's supposed to be strong and reflecting God is now broken down and, and, and in a place of where, they're, where they're very vulnerable. And, and it's a sad day, but we know Nehemiah shows up and is used by God to bring, watch this, a blessing. Blessed are the, blessed are those who mourn. He brings a blessing to the children of, of Israel by helping them rebuild the walls and bring revival to the city. Yay, spoiler alert, we're all going to get to that in a minute. But the way God gets there is through a man named Nehemiah. And he works through Nehemiah to bring about this blessing of the restored walls. 
Well, how does this comfort from God, this blessing of God, come to the people of God through this man named Nehemiah? It starts in Nehemiah chapter 1, verses 1 through 4. Watch what it says. It says, the words of Nehemiah, the son of Hakali, in the month of Kishev, in the 20th year, while I was in the citadel of Susa, of Haniah, one of my brothers came from Judah with some other men. And I questioned them about the Jewish remnant that had survived the exile and all about Jerusalem. So here's what's going on. Nehemiah is far away from his people in, in Jerusalem. And some friends come who were in Jerusalem. They're visiting. He goes, hey, how are my people doing? Tell me about my peeps. Like, what's going on? Give me the good news. A lot of you are getting bombarded with news. Here's what's happening in your world. Here's what's happening in the in the in the in the, the, the world all around us. Here's what's happening in the government. Here's what's happening in politics. Here's what's here's what's happening in in our cities. Here's what's happening in our land. And getting bombarded with news. Getting bombarded with news. Well, Nehemiah kind of just turns on the news, so to speak. Just tell me what's going on. I'm just gonna look. I know some of you don't want to look anymore. Nehemiah, I'm just gonna turn the channel. Talk to me. I'm gonna turn the channel on. I'm gonna I'm gonna listen. What's going on? And this is what they said. They said to me, those who survived the exile are back in the province in great trouble and disgrace. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down and its gates have been burned with fire. Nehemiah turns on the news and it's bad news. Isn't this, Nehemiah got a lot of news lately, it's bad news. You turn it on, it's like, oh my goodness, are you kidding me? What's happened? There's more division, there's, there's more hurt, there's more animosity, there's, there's more confusion, there's, there's more uh, division. There's, are, are we still, how are we still dealing with these issues in our world? It is all these news, all this news. And watch, I pay very close attention to what Nehemiah does. Instead of turning it off, instead of becoming indifferent to it, instead of ignoring it, instead of jumping on, on Facebook and, or Instagram and, 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 you know, coming up with an argument to put everyone in their place. And what does Nehemiah do? It tells us that when I heard these things, I sat down and I wept. For some days I mourned. There's our word. Blessed are those who mourn. I mourned, and I fasted, and I prayed before the God of heaven. Nehemiah says, I saw the condition of my people. I saw the condition of my world. And instead of ignoring it or, or becoming insensitive to it, he says, I let it hit me. It broke my heart. It bothered me. It disturbed me. Something all up inside of me was beginning to, to be burdened for my people. And I'm telling you, church, this needs to be the posture of the church. Right now in this world, our job is not to go put them in their place or tell them what they should, should not. Here's our primary first objective. If we're going to see healing in our land, the comfort of God comes through the people of God to touch the land that God loves. It starts with us joining Nehemiah, hearing the news, and man, you just got to let it bother you a little bit. It's got to hit you in a place where you, you begin to mourn. Like, there's a brokenness inside you over the brokenness of our, of our planet. I just want to invite you there, friends. Because I do believe God wants to bring revival to our land, but it's going to come through a, a people who... Walk through this process of, of, of first letting, letting it hit us. Like we, we try to justify the, the indifference. Like, oh, I can't, well, if they would just, and we, we try to push all the pain and the hurt and the brokenness away from us. God calls the church to not push it away, but to, to wear it, to embrace it, to, to feel it. 
Like, it should bother you right now, the condition of our world. It should bother you that right now there are more kids dealing with depression than ever before. It should bother you right now that there are more marriages calling it quits than than ever before. I mean, this is just the condition of our land after all that we've walked through. It should bother you right now that there's more division than there's there's ever been, that that there's this polarization taking place in our nation on our watch. I mean, it should bother bother us that that our friends are hurting, that our family is hurting. It should bother us, not irritate. I can't. See, there's this attitude we got to watch. It's, it's a brokenness over the brokenness, right? And so I, it should bother us, friends, that, I mean, just recently, the leading cause of death amongst teens used to be, it used to be accidents, then it was homicide, and then it was suicide. Over this last season that we walked through, that's flipped. It's now, it's not accidents. Suicide is now second. I mean, did you hear me? Amongst our young teens, on our watch, suicide is the second leading cause of death among young. And then homicide. My goodness, friends. And it should break our hearts. We wear it, you see. Nehemiah wore it. And and what he got is what we need, a burden. His heart was burdened. His heart was burdened for his people. And friends, our heart needs to be burdened for our, for our youth. Our hearts need to be burdened for our nation. Our hearts need to be burdened for the brokenness in our own neighborhood and in our own families. And I know you go, oh, it's just so irritating what's happening in my family. And this and that. Hey, how about we, we realize that the, 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 those who cause you pain are people who are hurting themselves. And why can't we just come to them in that, in that moment of hurt and let, listen, let our hearts break for what breaks the heart of God. That's where it's going to start. And so Nehemiah gets this, this burden, and God's people need to get a burden. What, be, what begins to happen is that burden begins to turn to motivation because now that I have a burden, I'm wearing and I'm feeling what's happening in our schools and in our, in our youth on our watch. I'm feeling that. All of a sudden, when I come to that moment, I go, hey, you know what? There's actually this, there's, there's hope here. There's hope here. I'm, I, I, I feel it and I'm, I'm wearing it. But listen, I, I realize as I'm wearing it that it doesn't have to stay this way. Like there's, there's, there's hope for our schools. There's hope for our kids. There's hope for marriages today. There's, there's hope for our world. There's hope for brokenness. There's hope for division. There's, there's, there's hope to deal with the crazy racism and all this stuff. There is hope, you see. And I don't get to get to the place where I realize there's hope until I've worn the burden of what's happening. You see, I've, I've let it bother me. Now it bothers me enough to do something about it. And now I'm, gonna, and I'm, gonna, I'm actually going to dish out the hope that our world is longing to have. You see, I'm going to become part of the solution. There's hope for our world, and his name is Jesus. Amen? Jesus is the hope of the world. Well, friends, that hope, those seeds of hope are brought through a people who have carried the burden, a people who are broken. Blessed are those who mourn, for they're going to see God come alongside them. They're going to watch God get involved in their efforts of bringing hope to to a a broken world. Matter of fact, this word that Jesus gives us here, blessed are those who mourn it, it comes out of Isaiah chapter 61 where God is speaking of the comfort that he will bring to the nation of Israel as they go to restore 
the nation of Israel amongst all sorts of pain and suffering and, and, and heartache and opposition. God is promising them, I will bless you if you're willing to get into this work. We've got to let this stuff disturb us. We've got to let this stuff move us. Psalm 126, verse 5 and 6 say this, watch. It says, those who plant in tears will harvest with shouts of joy. Those who go out, brokenhearted as they might be, holding some seed in their hand, some promise in their hand. He says, if they go out and they sow in tears, they're going to harvest with shouts of joy. Those who weep as they go out to plant their seed, but they're going to sing as they return with the harvest, dear friends. There's a harvest coming, but it comes in the wake of a church that carries a burden for people and seed in their hand. And I'm telling you, church, we're going to see revival. We're going to see healing brought. We're going to see, you know, even here in California, can you believe it, everybody? We're going to see it. Come on, amen? Here in our city. But it starts with me. And I want to challenge you, church. I want to challenge you before you judge, before you comment, before you get all irritated and agitated at what a family member said or what's happening with so-and-so, what such and such believes, before you go there, go here. And just enter into and let it bother you that there's, there's brokenness and there's pain. And you're called to be the solution to that. So corporately, friends, blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. But what does it mean? What does it mean for us personally? It means this, friends. It means that we need to face the brokenness that's not just out there, but the brokenness that's inside of here. Do you, do you know when Nehemiah went back to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem? And I'll bring it up here in, in, in the book of Nehemiah. When he went to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem, he showed up to the city. And instead of showing up going, hey, everybody, remember, the walls are burnt down all around him. He didn't show up and give him a pep talk. Hey, but it's okay. It's not as bad as it looks. That's not what he said. He didn't show up and, and, and try to convince them that everything was, was okay. He didn't, he didn't do any of that. Like, do you know what Nehemiah did when he showed up to the town? It tells us in the, in the book of Nehemiah that... In Nehemiah chapter 2, verses 11 through 13, it says, Nehemiah, when he got to Jerusalem, after staying there three days, he says, I sent out during the night with a few others, and I told no one what my God had put in my heart to do for Jerusalem. There were no mounts with me or no animals with me except the one I was riding on. Now watch what he does. By night I went out through the valley gates toward the jackal well and the dung gate, and I, watch this, I examined the walls. I examined the walls. What did he do? He said, I looked at the problem. I faced it for I had heard about it, but now I wanted to put it in front of me. I wanted to get it, get it to where I can see it. I examined the walls of Jerusalem, which had been broken down, and its gates, which had been destroyed by fire. Friends, personally, you and I got to get to a place where instead of justifying the brokenness inside of us, instead of ignoring the brokenness inside of us, Instead of trying to dole it, we face it. Like Nehemiah, we go and we examine the runes. It's called mourning. Letting it hit me for what it actually is. And when we do, friends, then there's this comfort from God that meets us in that place. 
You gotta see it for what it is. If you would, you constantly ignore it, it's never gonna actually be healed. It's never gonna actually be dealt with. And so I wonder what that is for you. I wonder where the brokenness inside your life might be. It might be that there's a brokenness in, in a relationship. It might be a brokenness in your marriage. Well, you know, friends, your brokenness in a marriage will never be healed unless you actually admit that there's brokenness in your marriage. You can't just keep showing up going, we're okay, we're okay. And all of a sudden you create for your home what's called a diplomatic peace. Like everybody's at peace, but there really is no peace. Why? Because we're just ignoring issues. Nehemiah says, no, 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 come circle the walls, call it what it is. If it's broken, if there's rubble, then there's brokenness and there's rubble. Mourn it, feel it, admit it. If there's brokenness in your life, there's issues that you're, that you're facing, it's okay to go there and, and call it what it is. Because when you do, there's a God that wants to meet with you there. You see, we got to get there. He, he can't bring healing to you over here when, when you're pretending there's not an issue. He brings healing to you when you go, God, I got an issue. He goes, great, I'm going to show up. I love, I love, you know, Jesus was born in a manger? Why? Because it's a mess. I think he was born in the middle of a mess to forever remind you that he loves meeting us in the middle of a mess. And if we keep walking around going, God, there's no mess here. God, there's nothing to see. We actually rob ourselves. If we don't go through the process of mourning, we rob ourselves of the comfort that God actually wants to bring us when we confess that we actually have issues. Does this make sense? Here's what it says in the book of Acts. Watch this. In the, in, in the book of Acts, come on, can I get a better amen? amen. Acts chapter 3, verse 19. Watch this. Watch this. Watch this. Watch this. Watch this. Acts 3, 19. It says, repent then. Oh, everybody, come on. This is like old school, old tent revival, like church stuff. Everybody, repent. Repent. Get a little hellfire brimstone up in here. We can preach a whole message up here up front. Repent. What does repent mean? It means, it means that you you. Finally realize the road that you're, like, look at the road you're walking on. Look at the road you're walking down. That's what it means. I think some of you are walking down roads right now that, look at, look at, you've never actually realized where it's taking you. I mean, you know, you kind of have a hunch, but you're not actually admitting that you're on the wrong road. And so you just keep, you keep doing this. You're walking with your head down, just kind of looking, just trying to but what God's saying is, I want you to look up, where's that really taking you right now? Where's the road you're walking right now? Where's it, come on, where's it going? You can see it. You can see where it's taking you. What God is saying is that if you're walking on a path of destruction, don't just ignore it, recognize it, and repent. It literally means, here it is. We can preach a whole message up front and be all hellfire brimstone, but it just means, it means just turn around. Like, you don't have to keep walking down this road of brokenness. You don't have to keep walking down the same roads that lead you to the same old dead places. That there's hope for you, there's another road for you, and you can turn around. Right? Come on, amen? You can. But he says, repent. Like, in other words, you go, oh my goodness, I don't want to walk down this road anymore. Some of you think, I have to. I've, I've tried to turn around. I've, I've, I've tried to to deal with this, and I can't. This is just who I am. I'm stuck. In Jesus, you are never stuck. There's always more. But you have to, in order to experience the comfort of God, the God, the God who comes alongside you, it's what that word comfort means, come alongside you. You're going to see God meet you and actually restore you from that road and put you on a new path. You have to be willing to admit you're on a bad path. 
and you turn to him. And he says, repent then. And here's what I'd like to spend my time preaching. Not just the hellfire brimstone up front, repent, repent, repent. It's the promise of God in the back. Repent and turn to God. Why? So that times of refreshing may come from the presence of God. So that God can fuel you. God can heal you. God can, listen, some of you need to hear this. God wants to wash you, cleanse you. The Bible tells us that he cleanses us of all of our guilt and shame. I don't have to wear it on me anymore. In Christ, old things have passed away and all things have become new. And now I'm refreshed when I just finally admit that I'm on the wrong road. Hey, I don't know how far off the road you found yourself today. I mean, I know you know the path that maybe you're called to walk or that you should walk. You're sitting there going, yeah, I missed that exit a long time ago, and I'm stuck on this road. You've gone four-buying off into the middle of nowhere, and you feel like there's just no hope for you. And I want you to understand, friends, that God can meet you wherever you are and get you to where you need to be through this process of you just saying, God, I need you right now to show up. I'm telling you, your own car, your, your phone, you get lost. Like it happened, I went to L.A. yesterday to go pick up a table we ordered in. I got lost like nine times. I'm telling you, L.A., hello. It was just crazy. Every time I got lost, my phone would do this thing, recalculating route. Like every time, like, oh my gosh, where am I? I don't know, I'm so confused. How do I recalculate? Oh, we're going to be okay. We're okay. I'm telling you, listen, if your phone can do that, don't you think your God could? He can recalculate your route from wherever you might find yourself today. God's got you is what I'm trying to say. If you're just willing to enter into this process, blessed are those who mourn. Oh my goodness, Lord, I need you. For they shall be comforted. God, you're so good. I remember my daughter, Raya, when she was little. I've been picking on her. I picked on her last week, too. She just has the best stories, man. It's always, always good stuff. But we went upstairs, and she's little, and there's, um, she'd gotten into mom's makeup, red, red makeup, and it's, it's everywhere. I mean, come on. I don't know about you, but the first time I, you, like, you're trying to put on red lipstick, I've never tried it, everybody. I'm just kidding. <laughs> But it's seriously, it's an, I imagine it's like a little bit of an art form. It's like I see some of you girls, you're doing it while you're driving, and it's just you're getting it all perfect and everything. Well, I'm sure you ladies can remember you go back to when you are a kid trying to do that for the very first time. Well, Raya had gotten into mom's makeup, and she's trying it for her very first time, and it just was kind of on her lips, but kind of just in the general vicinity. You know, it's like kind of a little bit everywhere, you know, and she's not supposed to be in mom's makeup. So we go upstairs, and we're like, Raya, sweet, you get mom's makeup. I kid you not, that girl looked up and said, no. <laughs> it's all over your lips. What do you mean to get a mom's makeup? She knows she's not supposed to, right? She's like, no. And then she does this little business. She turns this and kind of, she's trying to kind of, and she turns around and she's making even more of a mess. It's like, it's like all over now the side of her face. And, and, and here she goes, no, I'm, I'm good. Everything's good. I didn't get any makeup. There's no makeup on me. I didn't. Now, as a father, know what to do in this situation. I can help get her clean by giving her to mom because that stuff, I don't know if you've ever tried to get that off your daughter's face or anything, men in here, I don't know how these ladies do it because that stuff sticks. I'm telling you, it is hard to get off. 
but I know what to do to help her. But I can't help her until she just admits she got herself a problem. And there's some of you in here today, you, I just need you to know you've got a heavenly father who wants to help you more than you could ever imagine. If you would just be willing to admit that you need some help. When you just got some stuff that you're trying to make clean, you're trying to do it right, but in the process, you're actually making more of a mess. You're getting it all over. Now, your mess is now all, it was just hit, now it's all over. And now you're getting it all over the house. You get all over your friends. You're getting it all over your, all over your family because you just got some stuff that instead of bringing it to your father, you're trying to ignore and justify and you're trying to bury. And, and God just goes, can we just please, can we just get real? Can you just let me touch you? Can you just let me heal you? Can you just let me restore you? Blessed are those who mourn, who admit, who call out who repent, who say, God, help, for they shall be comforted. There's a coming alongside of God in those moments to bring hope and to bring healing. First of all, in the fact that he's going to forgive you. I don't know, I mean, there's nothing more comforting than being forgiven, <laughs> being washed, cleansed. The Bible says that if we can, watch this, if we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us of all unrighteousness if we confess our sins. If we just, just admit it. I want you to understand this, friends, that God is more willing to forgive you than you are to say you're sorry. God is more willing to forgive you than you are at times to just admit that you're on the wrong road. He's just waiting to restore you. And so God says, I'm going I'm to forgive you in that moment. I'm going to meet you in that moment. And then, friends, he's going to walk with you. The comfort he brings to those who are just willing to say they need him, forgiveness, washing, cleansing, and, and please understand this, and a walking with you. Stop trying to do this on your own. You are not intended to do this on your own. God is a comforter. When Jesus, in the book of John, was getting ready to ascend to heaven, he told his disciples, he said, hey guys, I'm going away. And they're freaking out. Like, please don't go. Please don't go. Jesus said, hey, don't worry. Because I have to go away. So that I could send, he said, a, a, another helper, a comforter, to be with you forever. And Jesus said, and lo, I will be with you all the way to the end of the age. I'm going to always be with you. I'm always going to be with you. You know the word that he uses there for comforter is the same word, blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Jesus says to us that the comfort he desires to get, give us, the coming alongside of us that, that he wants to, to bring is through this comforter that we know is the Holy Spirit of God. That God, by his Holy Spirit, wants to come alongside you and walk with you. God wants to be with you in every moment, in every situation. When you walk out of this place and you're going to face everything that you need to face and everything that's going to come your way, the highs, the lows, the, the challenges, the successes, I'm telling you that God says don't leave this place trying to go at that alone. Would you, would you allow God to go with you? And when you, when you know God is with you, it changes everything. Changes everything for you. Like God is with me. 
I could face anything that comes to me, but God's with me. And when God is with you, he, he provides for you all you need for every moment that you find yourself in. When we turn to him, he turns to us. When we, when we turn to him, he carries us. When we turn to him, listen, he cares for us. He helps us. He says, I'm going to send another helper. Anyone need some help today? Come on, Missy, you need some help today? You need some help today? Help comes to those who say, God, I need help. And he sends his spirit to help. You know, people get all, you know, weird about their understanding of the spirit of God. Who's the spirit of God? Oh, my gosh. Who's the spirit of God? Like God's just like, okay, spirit of God is just like, I'm just going to show up and help. He's the helper. The spirit of God, he helps you. God, would you just let me help you? Let me walk with you? And all of this comfort, all this blessing from God comes to those who just go, hey, God, I'm done trying to pretend I don't have brokenness. I'm going to choose today to mourn it. What does that mean? I'm going to face it. Like Nehemiah did, he faced the walls. He let it hit him, called it what it was. And he walked through that mourning process so that he could walk into this healing process. Some of you need to do that today. I want to show you over in the book of Isaiah. Speaking of Jesus, this is what Jesus does. It's a prophecy given about Jesus hundreds and hundreds of years before Jesus came. Watch what Jesus does. It says, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted. Is anyone brokenhearted in here today? There's a comfort from God, from Jesus, that's going to come to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom to the captives. Is there anyone experiencing captivity today? Is there anyone experiencing oppression today? A little bit of, like, I can't break through this today. I don't know freedom in my life today. God says that there is freedom for the captives, you see. And to release from darkness the prisoners. To proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God. To comfort all who mourn and provide for those who grieve in Zion. To bestow on them, watch this, beauty instead of ashes. The oil of joy instead of mourning. The garment of praise instead of the spirit of despair. Jesus does this, friends. Jesus says, you give me your ashes and I'm going to give you beauty. There's no ashes here. Nothing to see here, God. You'll never experience beauty until you finally admit you got yourself some ashes. See, what are ashes? Ashes are things, it's, it's, it's been burnt up. It's been used. It feels like there's no more value. Brokenness. And God says, give me that. Give me that. Bring it to me give you some beauty for it. It's the greatest exchange program in the whole world, everybody. Some of you just need to, today, maybe for the very first time, experience the comfort of God that only He can give you. I'm telling you, there's a, there's a ministry you need, there's something you need that, that I can't bring you, there's something I can't give you that you can only experience when you walk through this moment of mourning and turning to him and saying, God, I need you. 
telling you he will change your life. 